I was going to procrastinate, but I truly got screwed. It almost put me out of business. Mm. That was the scariest thing. And then when I opened the office in DC in 2010, I had pretty much lost everything. So at that point, the risk was worst case scenarios I'll go back to New York City. Mm. But it was that for me, that overgrowing so fast and losing control of everything. Are you ready to hear business stories and learn effective ways to build relationships, generate sales, and level up your business from awesome CEOs, entrepreneurs, and founders without listening to a long, long, long interview? If so, you've come to the right place. Gresh values your time and is ready to share with you the valuable info you're in search of. This is the I Am CEO Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. This is Gresh from the I Am CEO Podcast. I have a very special guest on the show today. I have Brian Hart. Brian, excited to have you on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. Pretty excited. I read about you and looked up some of your episodes. I'm a big fan of this. So thank you for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. I'm definitely a fan of you as well, too. I always say it's really great to have other podcasters. We're speaking the same language here. So excited to hear a little bit more about what you do. And obviously, we're recording live at Intelligent Office in Alexandria. So super excited. We get to not only record, get to meet you, but we get to do it in person, which is like the icing on the cake. Exactly. So I always try to record live, too. I I prefer that. But obviously, we have our mistakes and got to be able to edit them out when they need to be. So We'll see how well this goes, and hopefully I don't make too many mistakes for you, and it'll be an easy operation for you. Yeah, absolutely. I always say I make more mistakes than anybody, so it's a race to the top, I guess you yes. gotta say. <laughs> so, That's how we learn. So. Exactly. So I guess to kick everything off, I wanted to rewind the clock, hear a little bit more about you, what you're doing, and what led you to it. Okay, so I got started in Wall Street back in 2003. Mm-hmm. I left Richmond, Virginia, moved to New York City. I had a rough growing up, lots of uh, insanity, let's say that. So I had to get out of Richmond and then move to New York, of all places. That seemed quieter, <laughs> right? <laughs> Believe it or not. <laughs> so I went to New York City because I didn't know anyone. It was a fresh restart. And I started my first job as a ticket sales in Times Square. And if you've ever been to Times Square, you've seen the guys say, buy a ticket, buy a yeah, ticket. Yeah. That was you. I was annoying you, chasing you down, <laughs> promising you to see Jerry Seinfeld, which we both knew it wasn't going to be there. So, but either way, that was the goal. And then um, I read a newspaper and they were hiring on Wall Street, 44 Wall Street, E1 Asset Management for Cold Hawks. So I went down there and figured, what the heck, at this point, what do I have to lose? I was more than shocked that they hired me on the spot because I didn't graduate college. I don't have the background of a lot of people finance. So I started from there and built my empire up from there. Nice. I absolutely love that. I can imagine that. I, I think even when I graduated from school, I heard how valuable sales opportunities and jobs are. I imagine the cold calling, being out in Times Square and talking to people. I imagine that probably created a lot of foundation for everything you're doing now. Yeah, sales is everything. And I've always had sales jobs, even growing up. I would sell dolls to people on the street. Mm-hmm. Give the dolls to little kids so the parents had no other choice but to buy the dolls for me. The <laughs> there you go. So there's always side hustling and things like that. And it just seemed to all work. Not that Wall Street, I guess Wall Street is side hustling. That is what we do. So there's, there's no cutting it around. So Yeah, absolutely. So I guess take me through a little bit more of what you're doing now, what your show is about, and all those awesome things you're doing to make an impact. All right. So uh, last year, I created Investors Coffee Shop Podcast. Okay. And the whole idea with that, without going over rules and regulations, I can't talk about stocks or mutual funds or anything that deals with you want asset management as a company. But we discuss investing in housing, trust accounts, um, 
the most popular podcast so far is the Pokemon. Interesting. That one's blown the roof off. I mean, I've got so many subscribers from Pokemon, comic books, and on alternative investings. And coming up, we're going to be doing watches, and we'll be doing wine, and we'll be doing other things that go within that area. Just different avenues to invest to make money for. I imagine how powerful that is. And, and I think that sometimes when you get the word investing, people's minds automatically go to this, whatever that might be. It might be real estate. It might be for okay, just those things. But to, it sounds like creating a more holistic definition of what that yes. looks like. That's what you're able to do on the show. You should break up all your investments. So whether it's crypto, stocks, bonds, stocks and bonds are the most common because that's what we hear about all the time. Right. The most profitable is comic books, art, and Pokemon. Things like that that have been around for a while. Um, Pokemon's been around for over 20 years. It's not only anywhere in time. Sure. I mean, you pay $5 for a pack of cards, and next thing here's a million dollar card in your hand. Mm. The return is incredible. Uh, comic books, if you've been in my office next door, mm-hmm. I've made the most of comic books. I've been collecting comics mm-hmm. as a kid, and I actually have uh, clients who are comic book artists and writers in that industry. Oh, cool. So when you go on the wall, there's pictures of me and Stan Lee, and there's people like that, and everything's signed. But those books, I would probably say I've had a 10,000 to 20,000% return for me. Wow. And so I talk about that. So people always think of just one way to invest, but there's many ways to invest. The first, most people, if you remember when the first iPod yeah. came out, yeah. if you look today, if you find that yeah. used, broken, they go for about $5,000. Oh, we spent two to $300 back 20 years ago, not 20, 10, 15 years ago when they came out. You've quadrupled your money. And imagine if it worked. 5000 for one that's broken, one last one that works. Yeah. And you can see these things on eBay and that. There's just different ways to invest your money you just don't think about. Or you're at it, you're trashed. You're, there's tons of money sitting up there. You have no idea. You just give it away. You toss it away. Yeah, that, that makes sense being able to see that. Even just you talking, I, I almost see investment as far as not necessarily stocks and bonds, but basically finding something of value and being able to provide that value to somebody else and get paid for it or get some return back or something. Like that. We're not even providing it to somebody else. It's just uh-huh. something you have. True. The art sales are great. Gary Vee, who's a famous marketer, yeah. everybody knows about him. His big thing is going to yard sales. He does it live. He films himself on YouTube and he buys something and then within 10 minutes he sells it for twice the money. Right. I've seen him actually buy something from a yard sale. I did a video and then the lady did want to sell it. And he was like, all right, I paid you $2 for it. Give me four and it's yours back. And she gave him the four bucks. I mean, <laughs> it's instant, just yeah. like that. And all he did was just show up. Now, $2 isn't a lot, but two to four, yeah. 100% is 100%, no matter how you look at it. And that's how you have to look at these things, too. Um, sometimes people will get comic. Yes, 90% of them will go bad. So mm-hmm. it's not all of them. They're going to go up. Same thing with baseball cards or hockey cards or any other memorabilia. Pops is a big thing now. People buy these bobblehead things. Okay. The majority of them, to become worthless. They are toys. Yeah. But it's that 10%, and usually that 10% is what you don't even know you have. Right. And you may have one of those. So it's always worth checking out, even if you just scan eBay or Heritage Auctions or something like that. Watches, Timex watches, the old Casio yeah. computerized watches, yeah. those things go for a bundle. And really? we all had those as a kid right. playing on the calculator. We knew those would be worth <laughs> 10 times what they are. Yeah, that's crazy to think. I love that you talk about that a lot of your podcasts. So is that transition into like how you help serve the clients and how you work with them? As far as working with them, because my clients in E1 were doing wealth management, that's mostly equities, IRAs, and things like that. It has nothing to do with that. Now, the podcast is an add-on to what they get add-on to their own. I don't recommend people to buy Spider-Man or Pokemon card. 
right. or Wayne Gretzky rookie card. Talk about it, right? It's discussed with professionals in that field. I'm not that professional. I interview those professionals. So every episode you're seeing somebody who's at the top of the field that I'm interviewing. So you can learn from that person. But all of us must take risk and you have to do your own research before you do anything. Even listening to this, if I say anything that seems like you want to jump on it, you still have to do your own research you can't take everything and just run to the forces with you yeah but that makes so much sense around creating that awareness that's awesome so do you feel like part of your secret sauce you or or the organization or combination of both is your ability to have this again i'm gonna go back to the holistic kind of definition or perspective on the investing and what that looks like in many different ways do you feel like that's part of your secret sauce you have to be Mm open-minded and that's the hardest thing for the average person to be is open-minded they get stuck in a rut Right. And they think everything has to be one way and they won't look at anything else. I do it too all the time. Sometimes they look like cars. For me, high-end cars, Mercedes and stuff like that, I think is a joke. Mm-hmm. I drive a Honda Fit and it's mm-hmm. not because of money or anything else. It's just because I can drive it just as fast as a Tesla my neighbor has. <laughs> so to me, that, that value is not there so much. But that's me being closed-minded because that Mercedes could be a collateral down the day. Where really nobody's going to want my home because they made millions up. You can go to the junkyard and get it for free. Right. So there is a value there to that. But it's open mindedness. That's it. You have to look at everything with a whole new perspective and whatever you really don't know. You have to go into it not knowing anything. So even going into drinking wine, that's a big thing for selected people. Right. It's hard to understand that it can become very valuable, but there's certain years with the grades from like 1996. And other years, those bottles are worth a lot. And if you bring that bottle out, it'll be like $10,000. And then to the average person, like, I'm not going to spend $10,000 for a bottle of wine. is because they want to spend $10 so they can drink it now as opposed to that $10,000, which could turn to $25,000 in 20 years. That, that makes so much sense. And, and do you feel like that's something that, that open-mindedness and, I guess, the ability to see things from different perspectives, is that something that you always had or you've been able to cultivate and then grow into? No, I read a lot of psychology books, and I'm very guilty at being close-minded, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But when I talk or when I talk to clients, there's certain things I will always close my mind to. There's certain things I personally, because of my beliefs, I will not invest in. Um, mm-hmm. Things like war or things that kill people or hurt mm-hmm. people, drugs, um, anything that can actually hurt somebody, I will never touch. And now, uh, it doesn't mean they're a bad investment by means. It just means I'm close-minded there because, to me, it's not worth how much money I can make on it if people are suffering or doing things like that. Right. But it, it could be a very lucrative investment at the same time. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you, do you feel like, I almost feel like we're all closed-minded to some degree because we all have our preconceived notions. We all are. Yeah. And that's the hardest thing. We're closed-minded about everything. We don't like people telling us things to do, especially in investing. We want to think everything. Right. And now with technology, you can put everything in the hand. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And that's why I like a lot of the things that you said, you know, they use a phrase, I think, stand the test of time. And I find like a lot of times when you are very foundational driven in terms of like how you've been able to go to everything, you can go back to looking at those things that do stand the test of time. So you can make um, more, I guess, better investments. informed decisions. Informed decisions, yeah. yeah. And you got to use your gut too. I mean, your gut will lead you off, but you just have to, you know, open your mind up to different possibilities. Yeah. It's state. Uh, you, you have this preconceived notion mm-hmm. of the, well, I was going to say girl with the bar, but I guess we don't use bars anymore. Uh, <laughs> whatever happened, you guys are using this. But you still have to look at this picture and you're swiping and you're making this decision 
based off of one second, right. which is probably the worst possible thing you could ever do in your life because you put no research, no effort into right. it, and you just call it past your perfect soul. And it's the same thing with investing. People do it all the time. Yeah. Yeah, it's about doing the, the due diligence and actually dr- you know, dr- dr- drilling down and, and diving in. Um, what they say, it's never crowded along the extra mile, but no one ever goes yes. that extra mile. So I absolutely love that. So I wanted to switch gears a little bit and ask you for what I call a CEO hack. So this could be like an app, a book, or a habit that you have, but what's something that makes you more effective and efficient? I would say there's so many apps out there. So that's what I say because everyone's good. The apps I use obviously don't apply to you. It don't apply to 90% of the, probably the listeners out here. So let's get that. I'll say being running a business for as long as I had it made a lot of mistakes. And the biggest one was back in 08 or 09. I had hired too many people too fast. I couldn't control the employees I had and when the market crashed. I ended up getting sued for things I didn't even know were going on. Mm-hmm. And that was the problem. And since then, it's been slow growth. Okay. I'm trying to rebuild my business since then. And I will try not to ever make that mistake again, no matter how good business gets. Right. Slower wins the way. Grace. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the tortoise over the hair. And so what would you consider to be what I call a CEO nugget? It's a little bit more word of wisdom or piece of advice. Um, I say it might be something if you were to hop into a time machine, you would tell your younger business owner. I'd like to repeat what I had just said. That I know it's hard to overestimate, but I truly got screwed. It almost put me out of business. Mm. That was the scariest thing. And then when I opened the office in DC in 2010, I had pretty much lost everything. So at that point, the risk was worst case scenarios I'll go back to New York City. Mm. But it was that for me, that overgrowing so fast and losing control of everything. Yeah. Yeah, that, that makes I can't sense. stress it. it was the scariest and dumbest thing I have ever done in my entire life. I would go back and nip that in the bottom. Yeah. I wanted to now ask you my absolute favorite question, which is the definition of what it means to be a CEO. My goal is to have different quote unquote CEOs on the show. So, what does being a CEO mean to you, Brian? A CEO, the short answer would be is someone who is overseeing an organization that people can look up to for answers. Your job is to help other people grow, to mentor other people. Most CEOs, they get attitudes or they think they're the top of the world, but that's really not what your job is to do. Your job is for everybody to feel like they have an equal chance to get up to the level where you are. If you have lots of people fighting to be where you are, that means you're doing your job correctly because you've made it an interesting place to be. But bossing people around is not the CEO is. Um, CEOs do make tough decisions. If you have multiple roads, you are the one who makes that final decision. Right. And if things don't work out, you're the one that has to take responsibility for it. And a lot of CEOs, you'll see, especially in smaller businesses, will blame people or they'll fire employees because they think it's the employee's fault. It's, you know, it's, you made a bad decision. Right. You need to own up to this and figure out how you're going to fix that bad decision you did. And that's all about leading. So allowing your employees to lead, allowing them to have an open door policy, where my assistant, she tells me ideas all the time. Whether they're good or not, it doesn't matter. She knows she has the right to do it. She can call me 24 hours, anytime she wants. Any idea, it doesn't matter. She'll reach out to me. She'll say, hey, I got this idea. Mm-hmm. 50% are great, 50% are, but you never know until you listen to it. And some of those things have changed the way I operate. And because of her, I have the investor's coffee shop. And because of her, some other things. These were her ideas. These weren't necessarily my ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that kind of speaks directly to uh, the culture you know, that you haven't even been able to create, where you, you help people to grow. In turn, they feel that connection. They feel that relationship. They feel that connectedness to the organization that they want to, in turn, also do things to help the organization grow, help you grow. So 
Brian, truly appreciate that definition and perspective. Of course, I appreciate your time even more. So what I want to do now is pass you the mic, so to speak, just to see if there's anything additional you can let our readers and listeners know. Of course, how best people get all the views, subscribe to your podcast, find about all the awesome things you're working on. I'm the CEO and host of Investors Coffee Shop. We're on all major platforms. You can see us on Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Um, if you like everything you hear, you can send comments or even ask some of your questions live on the air when we do that. And also, if you're interested in wealth management, you can check me out on E1 Asset Management, E1AM.com. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Make it even easier. We'll have the links and information in the show notes as well, too, to subscribe to find out about E1 as well, too. So thank you so much again, Brian. I hope you have a phenomenal rest of the day. Excellent. Thank you so much. I enjoy it. Thank you for listening to the I Am CEO Podcast, powered by CB Nation and Blue 16 Media. Tune in next time and visit us at imceo.co. I Am CEO is not just a phrase, it's a community. Check out the latest and greatest apps, books, and habits to level up your business at ceohacks.co. This has been the I Am CEO Podcast with Gresham Harkless Jr. Thank you for listening.